0: That is being aired live on our local cable television station, QAC-TV7. These media broadcasts provide county citizens an opportunity to watch and review our scheduled public sessions. To comply with the governor's proclamation declaring a state of emergency in Maryland to minimize the person-to-person spread of COVID-19, we suggest that citizens stay home and watch the county commissioner's meeting live on our county website at www.qac.org slash live or on QAC-TV's television channel, Atlantic Broadband Channel 7, and or high-definition channel 507. To maintain social distancing, seating will be limited to accommodate guidelines. Uh, we are screening all meeting participants prior to entering the building. If you have any respiratory symptoms such as fever, cough, and or shortness of breath, please refrain from attending the meeting and notify a health care provider. We acknowledge your participation, and by attending, it, you acknowledge that this session is both recorded and aired. The scheduled agenda is available on the information table just outside of our meeting room. Press and public comment will be taken and is limited to three minutes per person. If you care to speak, you must sign the sheet on the information table outside. Comments longer than three minutes can be submitted in writing for the commissioner's review. In addition, citizens can join the live Zoom meeting by going to www.qac.org public comment or you may email comments to publiccomment at qac.org. We will accept comments up until the end of the meeting. Comments received will be read during the press and public comment period on this evening's agenda. During the meeting, we would ask that you turn off all electronic devices and hold personal conversations outside of our meeting room. We will now stand and be led in the Pledge of Allegiance by Commission President Chris Corcorino.
1: I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. We, uh, please remain standing as we're entering the holiday season for all of those who have lost a loved one this year. Thank you.
0: Okay, we just had a uh, closed session under section 3-305B3 of the General Provisions Article to discuss land acquisitions and uh, no decisions were made regarding uh, land acquisitions in the closed sessions. That brings us today to the approval of the agenda. So today's agenda for our meeting December 8th and the regular and closed session minutes from your November 24th meeting along with the Roads Board and Sanitary Commission meeting minutes from November 10th were distributed electronically for review. Do we have any additions
1: or corrections? So we I made one correction. I went back. We had um, a motion that was made about the tax credits at the last meeting, um, and there was some communication because of the way it was listed on my electronic version of the agenda, and we actually made a motion twice for the same property and forgot one of the properties. So um, Todd got it right. I got it wrong. I'm going to fix it now. Um, so the meeting minutes reflected correctly. It's just the vote was wrong. So I want to do. Um, I want to make a motion to approve the request for the commercial real property tax credit for the Kent Narrows Hyatt Place project, located at 302 two eight Kent Narrows Way, Graysonville, Maryland, owned by the Kent Narrows Enterprises LLC. Second. Get a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Here we go. Okay. So that's the. To- Correct my mistake from the last meeting. All right. Thank you, commissioners. Was this the
2: published agenda?
3: Then? And uh, we do have so we did ask three desk items for this evening. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. we got to add three items to the agenda. Motion to add those. You got a second? We're adding three items to the agenda. I motion to add three items to the agenda. Oh, second. <laughs> I'm sorry. I
1: didn't hear you. a second. Any discussion? <laughs> I, I'm sitting closer and I didn't hear it. All right. All in favor? Uh, aye. aye. Opposed?
4: Right.
1: Motion 5-0. to
5: accept Most the
3: cares. minutes and agenda as amended. <laughs> amended. Second. <laughs> Any comment? Yes, All in favor? Aye. 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 All,
0: right. All right. Thank, thank you, you, commissioners. That brings us to our first present public comment period. Uh, thank you for taking the time to express your views to the county commissioners during this public comment period. Comments are limited to three minutes in length. Comments longer than three minutes should be submitted in writing. When you come forward, please speak clearly at the standing microphone. State your name, address, topic of interest. Keeping with the dignity of the office, we ask that all views be expressed in a respectful and civil manner. This commission respects your desire and right to convey your message freely. As a courtesy of the board and our citizens, uh, please respect their request to refrain from name-calling when offering critique.
5: No one signed up, but I think Bruce has.
6: Yeah, we do have some emails. Okay, go ahead. The first comment comes from Betsy Early. I'm writing on behalf of the Midshore Trail and Skills Park Advocacy Group to allow trails to be built in Queens County. I'm an avid mountain biker and trail user, and there is not a more welcoming group than a mountain bike club. We all share the love of the outdoors, and it's a very wholesome pastime that adults, their teenagers, and small children can enjoy. It truly does bring a family and community together. I hope you consider allowing them to build a trail center. All good will come of it. Our next comment comes from Monica Young. Please vote yes tonight for allowing our county to have a mountain bike trail. This would be amazing for our youth and active adults. We need this. Please vote yes in support. And we have another email from Teresa Heron. Hi, I am all for the new idea of bicycle trails in Queen's County. Please express my support for this project. We really do need more recreational activities here, especially something for everyone kids, teens, and adults that they can do together or with a group. This is a wonderful idea. My husband just found and enjoyed one in Florida, and he wishes we had them locally. Thank you. And then we did have a gentleman that was in Zoom, and I'm not sure if there was a disconnect there, but I do have an email from him. I don't know if you want to wait to see if he's joining us with Zoom or just read his email. Go ahead and read the email. Sure thing. So this is from Steve Pringle. Hi, my name is Steve Pringle. I'm a Stevensville resident and appointed trail liaison for Moore, the Mid-Atlantic Off-Road Enthusiast. Oh, oh Yeah, he Recently is in. We got him yeah, let, yeah, I'll go ahead and unmute Steve. Hi, Steve. Can you hear me? you in there? I can hear you. Great. Uh, you are able to make comment now if you would like, Steve. Don't want to make comments. Okay, no problem. I'll read your email for you. Okay. Uh, sorry, I'll just start from the top. My name is Steve Pringle. I'm a Stevensville resident and point trail liaison for More, the Mid Atlantic Off Road Enthusiast. We are a non profit organization representing thousands of Washington D.C., Maryland, and Northern Virginia mountain bikers. Founded in 1992, Moore maintains hundreds of miles of natural surface trails in 61 state and county parks throughout the Washington, D.C. metropolitan region. Moore members contribute more than 16,000 volunteer hours annually and have constructed hundreds of miles of new sustainable trail. The club also leads multiple rides each year at local parks, ranging from beginner to advanced levels. Moore is grateful to... I'm
7: in here. Can you hear me?
6: Uh, yes um,
7: I'm sorry I had sent in my uh, written comments I wasn't, yeah, wasn't necessarily you need to speak at the meeting but I I'd appreciate uh, the consideration
6: I? sure no problem. Uh, in the conclusion to his email Moore is grateful for consideration QAC is giving to allow a partnership that could bring multi-purpose trails to our area I sincerely hope we can reach an agreement that both sides are comfortable with our volunteers are eager to get started And that concludes our uh, public comment. Okay. On emails.
8: All right.
0: That's all we had. Close the press public comment. Go ahead. All right. Okay, commissioners. Then we go to new business. Uh, We have first up. We have the Department of Public Works. So I believe uh, Mr. Quimby, Public Works Director, is here. Okay. I'm Steve Cahoon, our Public Facilities Planner. Gentlemen,
9: let's make a deal.
0: I'm going to turn to Tab Two, Commissioners. First item is the Nextamp Solar LLC
9: agreement for purchasing solar power. Commissioners, you remember last time we met with you, we brought in the representative from Nextamp. They had a proposal for the county, where they would construct a uh, two megawatt solar array in Cecil County, and the county would benefit to the tune of thirty-five to forty thousand dollars a year, basically for the accounts listed on the waterfalls of that uh, 2 megawatt, they would take 10% off Delmarva's bill. So that's where the 35 to 40000 is generated. I gave you a presentation last week. Tonight, you would uh, if you so desire, execute the agreement with them.
8: I'll
4: move to execute the aggregate net metering purchase and sale agreement with Nexamp Solar LLC trading as Elton Lead Solar LLC to purchase solar
1: generated power at a discount rate. Second. Okay, we've got a motion and a second. Any discussion?
2: Yeah. Uh, Alan, it, it's you know, a good deal of pages on this agreement, so that's always worrisome. But what if, if in a year from now you want to get out of this, are you locked in or is it is it
9: a year? I think you are locked in for, uh, I'm sure there's always an escape clause, but, yeah, for all intents and purposes, you're locked in for 20 years. For 20 years. So if there was a solar array that got put in
2: in Queen Anne's County and they want to give you 15% off, you're got, you'd have to turn that down.
9: Well, I think, suspect we'd have enough account, accounts to probably take advantage of that. So this, okay, so this is just a... The, you can only, you know, there's only so many accounts that that array will supply. Okay. You know, the county's got, I don't know how many accounts we've got. Because yeah, it's net aggregate, so
3: 200. we can go aggregate somewhere else for other parts of the county if okay. other okay, comes available. So, so
8: perfect. let me ask a question. Um, so, the majority of the county's power is purchased from Delmarva.
9: Actually, we buy our power from through ESMAC, Eastern Shore of Maryland Education Consortium. They go out on the market and buy it. And our okay. current supplier is Washington Gas Electric Service or Energy Services.
8: Okay, so this isn't kind of coming off Delmarva's book.
9: It will actually yes. Does that? It will. It'll be also off of of uh, Washington Gas and Energy Services book as
8: well. I'm just wondering, in a deal like this, somebody loses a little money, sometimes they mark up what they've got left, and you wind up net zero. How do you – you see the point I'm making? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe there's no point, but I don't know enough about it.
3: Well, well, part of it, though, Stevie, is the cost of buying power for, like, Del and all is, is greatly reduced right now. So – that's how they're able to, to be able to do this, and it really doesn't hurt them. Yeah, I mean, that's why they haven't built yeah, that solar exactly field down there in, in, yeah. up in Marydale, because they can buy it cheaper than capitalize that project. So it's, it's, it's commodity markets. You like that stuff. It's, I'm
8: fishing around out of ignorance.
3: Yeah, no, that's, that's what it is. They're buying it cheaper now. So
8: yeah.
9: Yeah. Energy is very cheap or has it's, been very cheap lately. And I would be much more concerned if this was only being applied to the supply portion of the bill, but it's also being applied towards the distribution portion of the bill, which is almost as much as the supply portion of the bill, and the distribution portion of the bill is going straight up. Yeah, right. It's not going to come down. Right. They've got all these wires and poles they've got to replace and reliability issues. So I don't see it as any way that we could lose money as long as the distribution charge is, which it is, by regulation.
4: Now, is this, a, is this the same company that we're seeing advertising to residents in Queen Anne's County?
9: A couple years ago, yes, that's the same company. That, that array was built in uh, Woods Road off of uh, by Benton's Pleasure. That's
1: the same company.
8: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right,
1: there's all discussion. Okay, so we have a uh, motion to execute the aggregate net meeting. Net metering purchase and sale agreement with Nextamp Solar, trading as Elkton Leeds Solar LLC to purchase solar-generated power at a discount rate. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? 5-0. All
0: right, thank you, Commissioners. Our next item is uh, an update on the uh, traffic counting program that we implemented uh, about three years ago. There are a number of options here going forward. I'll let uh, maybe let Steve present those options, and we can have some discussion on that. We don't need a decision on this necessarily tonight, but we do need to make a decision by January. In January in, By January, if we want to continue. Which, the first meeting in January, we'd have to make a decision? Could be either one. Either one. Okay. Either one. So it's a little complicated, so I'll let Steve go ahead and
10: brief you on um, As you know, the county installed traffic counters about three years ago. Um, the purpose and the scope of the project was to collect three years of traffic data um, looking at the Bay Bridge the um, Bay Bridge corridor from the split to the bridge and then also looking at traffic coming down from Middletown, Delaware as a result of the new bypass being open Um, we're coming to the close of that three year period Um, we anticipated that traffic volumes would escalate 2018, 2019 2020 Uh, we saw it in 2018, 2019 and our concerns with the bridge and summer congestion was the main driving force behind this project Um, then Pandemic hit, <laughs> and traffic volumes dropped off, and and traffic uh, patterns have changed, um, and you know we, we we don't know where they're going. So I'm looking for some guidance on where the commissioners would like to go with this project. We've completed three years of data collection, so one option is to end the project. Um, you know we've gotten the, th- the three years we were looking for. Um, we can continue it for another year. Um, the cost associated with that. Um, in the current form, is probably in the neighborhood of $85,000. Um, that cost can, can be reduced in a couple different ways. Uh, we could uh, look at less reporting or less um, accounting devices to try to bring the cost of that program down if we wanted to take a, a look and keep a few cameras in place, such as at the Bay Bridge, to monitor that traffic. Uh, those would... Option two and op- or option two would be continue, you know, in the same format we are. Option three would be trying to reduce cost and reduce counters into a, a more manageable or reasonable reasonable budget. Um, option four, when we started this program, we had to purchase the hardware, and so we owned the cameras, and we have tracked. Um, Traffic volumes on Route 50 and 301. We could uh, look at relocating them, but there would be a cost associated with taking them down and remounting them. So that that would, um, if there is interest in that um, option, that's something I'd have to investigate a little bit further. But that would be a uh, um, a more expensive option because they'd have to be relocated. So, um, just wanted to get some feedback, some input on where uh, the commissioners are on
1: this project and some thoughts on. How, where, where you would like to go from here? If we end the program, what do we do with the cameras? You just leave them in place? Uh, we'd, we'd have to rem-
10: they've been mounted on state highway uh poles, mm-hmm. and so the state highway would want us to remove them, and that would be a cost of about $7,200. So, so, then we, what do we
4: do well, with we were, the cameras after?
10: <laughs> well, we we own them, so <laughs> um. There's, there's not a. I don't think there's like a resale market or a value. You know.
4: But I mean, could they be used somewhere else in the county? You know, for other functions like security or? Well, they, are the, they not that type of camera? They are.
10: Um, they are. It's more like radar, oh, okay. where it would count the vehicle speed, the, the size of the vehicle, the location, you know, what lane it's in. So it's more like radar than an actual okay. camera. Okay. Yep.
3: So the genesis of putting these up originally was the fact that we wanted to build our own case against the state um, with real numbers because we didn't trust the numbers the state was giving us. I don't see where that dynamic has really changed in the three years. Uh, We've had an off year because of COVID, but had COVID not been here, we would have still been gathering those numbers and, again, still building the case. We're not done the NEPA study yet. We're not into NEPA two. Yeah, I think at this point we've got to continue to make our case to the state. Um, if we go back to relying on their numbers, then when the time comes, we have nothing to present them other than numbers that are five or six years old. I just don't know how
2: that and really you never get our- accurate numbers from them. For instance, you can't ask the state what were the numbers last week, right? You know, they'll tell you in December. You know, I just and you know, I just I think what since we're not going to vote on this tonight, you know, I, I think what I'd like to do is make a motion to have Steve Cahoon. Uh, negotiate with dave nelson from street traffic to, to reduce this number so if we can get it from 85 down to 50 and still get the data we need and in, in using these traffic counters and I, I think i would be for that but i but i agree i mean covid is, is giving us a bump off year and i'm not so worried about well i am worried about this coming summer but i'm more worried about the following summer and and how much these numbers are growing because that was the whole purpose the state said uh, traffic was growing by one percent. What was it, Steve? Something, something crazy like that. Fine, we, yeah. We've already proved it has been growing by
4: over three percent. And, and, and so, but, so when you guys launched this program um, three years ago, um, it was to really focus on the weekend numbers. No, no. it gives us no. money. It gives us. Well, I know Sunday. what it gives us, right. but what, I mean, you were. were
3: well, you, the three hundred one bypass was coming right. into action. We wanted to count the three hundred one bypass. We wanted to know what those pickup numbers were because we never had numbers from Del Dot or, or okay. M Dot. And then, so we had those in place, and obviously weekend, measuring the weekend obviously. traffic and okay. total volume. I mean, you, you really needed to know, because like Jim said, the state's saying it's 1% growth. Our cameras have validated 3%. So we know we're already paying with a 2% difference in total numbers, and the which the big. You
2: know, so, so you know, each lane handles 1,700 vehicles on the Bay Bridge, and we've proven that I don't think it's made it to 1,500 per lane during the heavy traffic. So, I mean, these these are all things that In their own little ways, you know, are are give to the argument of why we need a new bridge, something that can handle the capacity. And if I think if we were to step back from this, I think the state would take that as okay, you know, we're off the hook. Because again, we don't have any funding for the the phase two of the NEPA, which is about 30 to 35 million dollars, and that's going to be an issue. We need leverage to force them the state the either fund it or find a funding source for it to keep moving forward with the NEPA. Otherwise, you know, it's it's going to do nothing but continually get worse for Queen Anne's County. So, you know, that's what the, the motion I, I made was, and, and I didn't get a second, but, you know, to have... a second motion. Okay, so so sort of Steve Cahoon can go back to Dave Nelson, who's the the, con- the contractor at Street Traffic Studies. Is that correct? They're the name of the... Correct. Yeah. Uh, and they're the ones who do all the data for us and everything else and see if we can negotiate. Maybe we eliminate... Or, or three of these counting sites on 50 where we really don't need them after the split and concentrate on the bypass and the Bay Bridge in, in those numbers. So, you know, right, so whatever you think you, you can get it down. I think it, some of the things also depended on how the reporting's done. Less reporting, meaning, you know, you're you you, you you're looking for specific items and we're not calling every day and go, hey, what was that? What was this? Saves us a good bit of money because the reporting's where the, the bulk of this is. That's where a
10: lot of the um, consultant's time is: right. street traffic and preparing uh, monthly reports. Right. Uh, we we have the data. Um, you know when when traffic volumes were high and we were dealing with summertime congestion, we had we reviewed a lot of that data with State Highway and the requests. You know over this last year with COVID, you know the requests haven't been there, but um, we you know don't know what the result or the bounce back of COVID is or when or
1: right. All right, so I mean, let's do this. We have a, a motion and a second to have Steve go back and renegotiate. Let's open so, it for discussion. Yeah,
3: so the um, you, you're getting the data, but they're actually correlating all the data to give it to us in a f- report form so we could choose not to get that report form and but Correct. still get the data? Correct. That, so, yeah. I mean, it, 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 the only place I would think we would need a report would be in our uh, busy, busy months, you know what I mean, to actually have a report generated that we could use. But gathering the data still gives us the bypass and all that stuff throughout the year. I just this is one of the ones you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, and right. I just think getting rid of this now, after right. we've invested in it and it's given us good data, it's given us good numbers. To get rid of it now, I just think really takes a step back in our fight to. And to we also
1: do don't know how COVID is going to impact, exactly. You know people's behavior patterns, and does that is that going to affect traffic different? And, and that's too? the
4: thing, I, you know. That's another point. Although you know, not to monumental numbers, but understand that. Even when we clear COVID, there's going to be established new norms. I mean, people are, companies and business owners are finding out that they don't need to bring their employees into work, that they can can telecommunicate just well and be just as effective. So, I mean, what do those numbers equate to? Who knows? Laptops on the beach. Huh? Laptops on the beach.
1: Laptops on the beach. Working from the right beach. So. No, you'll see more people will say they're gonna they're gonna head down to the beach now. Right. You know, I'm gonna do a, a 40 weekend down the beach and work down there. Yeah and that would that yeah, right. help us or hurt us and that's we don't know.
2: So he can come back with options at the next meeting. <coughs> yeah. right.
1: he can decide so, there.
10: so with that, just one uh, yep. point to clarify, um, within the budget that was adopted this year, um, this project was funded through um, December, January, based on the estimated cost. So it would take a budget amendment to continue it through this, um, to, to June, um, to the end of June. So, okay. so
3: that would be a 50% on the cost here, that eighty-five is that a full year, or half year cost? No, that's that's a full year. Full, so we'd be looking full at forty a full, year. So we're looking and, at forty, and
10: we'd, we'd work to knock that down to whatever okay you know we can. So worst case, we're forty
1: through June thirtieth, right now. It, right, we'll do better than that. Okay. All right. So we got uh, a motion. If Steve to go back and negotiate, to get back to us at the next meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, all those in favor? Aye. 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 And opposed? Okay. Motion carries five All right. Thank you, Commissioners. Working magic.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Great. Uh, so we have two items for the Sanitary Commission. So if you want to convene as the Sanitary Commission. Okay.
2: Motion to uh, convene as the Sanitary Commission.
1: Second. 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 All in favor? Aye. 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 All
0: right, continuing there in uh, tab two, item three, we have the Postal Road Apartments request for additional water
2: and sewer allocation. Can I get a motion on that? I move that we grant an additional 8,400 gallons per day of water allocation and 7,150 gallons per day of sewer allocation to Postal Road LLC for its proposed 60-unit apartment building at a cost of $425,450, for which a 10% deposit will be required within 30 calendar days.
1: Got a mo- second. got a motion to second. Any discussion? All right. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. I vote carries. Thank you, Commissioners. And the last
0: item for Public Works is item number four on page 27. This is an informational update on the Kent Island Estates and Roman Coke, well, South Kent Island Sanitary Project.
9: So, Alan. All right. Thank you, Todd. Um, the project continues along. i um, quite pleased with the process, progress. Currently, we've got mains being installed in Phase 2. We've got design ongoing on Phase 3 and we're still trying to wrap up Phase 1, which is canal states and Roma uh, As When I wrote the memo at the end of November, we had 642 tanks out of 774 installed in Phase 1, and we had 521 homes out of that same number that had actually been connected and are flowing into the sewer treatment plant. Um, we anticipate Phase 1 to be done hopefully around July. A lot depends on the winter weather. If we have a snow year, which we're kind of due for, that could set them back because they just can't... Uh, can't see what you're doing, basically. Don't we'll go into somebody's yard and start digging through snow and find out what you hit. But short of that, we think we can hit the July mark to have phase one completed. We hope to be able to go to the benefit assessment on July 1st as well, where we would start building the existing homes the $70 a month. If you recall, as homes get connected, we then we start charging them to the $30 a month uh, for user fees. Really, the only issue we've had with phase one is the people were kind of upset with the pace of restoration which has been pretty chronic throughout the job and and due directly to the amount of rainfall we've had to deal with they don't seem to understand that the contractor will do more damage to the yard if it's wet than they would trying to restore it But so they kind of lose patience in that regard but we're working through it Phase 2 as I indicated we've got the community main being installed in fact he expects to be done next month and be out of there we are just about ready to let the STEP contract, which is the second contract in phase two. This is at the point of the project when um, MDE approves your funding package. So we have to go to them and ask for the loan and the amount of, that's the right number, like $5.2 million. Um, so that is, this is where they go through your, all your submittals with a fine tooth comb. That is delaying us being able to issue a notice to proceed on the STEP contract. Uh, we made all the submittals recently and would anticipate probably in a month to issue a notice to proceed the bids were good for 120 days from october 5th so that shouldn't be a problem and actually the contractor would be happy not to start this time of year anyway so aside from the fact of putting us off on when we can be done phase two it's really not a concern we do have 131 out of the 200 easements in hand for phase two which is great but uh Credit goes to his air staff because, uh, unlike Phase One, where they went door to door, everything's been handled through the mail and email and what have you. Phase Three, which is kept more in Queen Anne Colony, there's 335 homes plus the, and the four businesses, the two marinas, and the two restaurants. Uh, design is ongoing there. The community mains are probably 90% designed. We really can't go much further until the step designer tells him where to lay out the curb stops, which would be the connection to each property. We have 249 right-of-entry agreements out of the 335 properties, which allowed the design engineer to go on their property to do the design, which is also a very high rate of participation, which really surprises me. So it's moving along quite well. In fact, the design will be done probably long before we're ready to bid it. And phase four, we really haven't started yet. That's probably this time next year, we'll start thinking about putting design services on the street. Um, You can see on the attachment, first uh, graphic has a schedule on it which Todd put together many years ago and which I thought was a, quite aggressive but surprisingly we're still on that schedule. I suspect phase four might slip a little bit but pretty accurate as of now. So the
2: uh, phase two has, has I think you said that the state has to approve
9: the contractor that we uh, awarded correct. the bid for it. Have, have they done that yet? No. We've just made the final submittal. So, they're not so much concerned about the contractor. They want all the other components in order to lend you that $6 million. Okay. That's the, really the delay. It's not the, so much the analyzing the bid or scrutinizing the bid. It's just they're putting the loan package together.
2: Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I think that you know, I give kudos to you and your team and Coal Ventures I mean, I just think that the work they're doing on those tanks, and I agree 100 percent with my contractor. And when you get one day of rain, it's three days of of wetness, and we're trying to get these yards restored. But you know, we've been blessed with very few complaints, very few. So, I mean, I just think everybody's doing great. Uh, We're a long ways from where we were Mm -hmm. at the auditorium at the Kent Island High School. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, congratulations to you and your, your your team.
9: Well, and a lot of it has to do with having such a conscientious yeah. contractor as well. Yeah. The wrong contractor can make this miserable for everybody. Yeah. In fact, we had a heart-to-heart with the second contractor to make sure he understood that concept, and we think he will. We think yeah. he does. Yeah. There's certainly some contractors out there I'd probably resign before working with them on people's yards. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Any yep. other questions for Brown? Uh, Thanks very much for the update. That's great. I'm, I'm hard to believe we're in phase three now in yeah. design with that project and on schedule. It looks like absolutely much. surprising. Yeah, that's great.
4: Uh, quick, I do have one quick question. So, the, um, for the folks that are watching or going to be watching, um, this information of of where we are in the process and, and is this available? Is there a ski project website or?
9: Oh, there is a ski project website ski okay. sewer dot com ski sewer dot com one word okay and uh, pretty much on phase one they they routinely put up updates there's not so much on phase two and three on there, but we can we can provide that
4: okay, but that is a place they can go to find out where they are and okay, yeah and we do facebook
0: uh updates as well on the progress and mm-hmm. that's on our uh, on the public works Facebook page, so they kind of show progress photos and uh that's been pretty popular as well
2: yeah, get that it's almost every Friday right yeah yeah. Okay.
1: Any other questions?
0: All right. right. Thanks very much, Alan. Thank you. All right. All right, Commissioners, I'd like to go a little off script. Um, At this point, I know uh, we have a presentation today from our health officer, Dr. Ciotola. I'd like to ask him if he can come in and make that presentation now before our public hearing. And I know he's got some time commitments and constraints this evening, so here he comes and his... his, uh, Presentation here is queued up, so Dr. Ciatola. Good to see
2: you. Good,
11: evening. good you. evening.
0: I believe I believe the uh the um, advancers there for you as well on the de- t- table. Yep. Yeah.
7: Good evening. Good evening. evening. Well, it's going to be some good news and some bad news, but it's going to be the truth. It's going to be transparent. First off, I'd like to say thank you for allowing us to do this update tonight. And what I'd like to do before I show you the PowerPoint is just give you a brief statement where we are today the 8th of December. We get a daily COVID surveillance numbers from the state. And that breaks down essentially the percentage of positivity of the state, the seven-day rolling average, as well as the seven-day case rate. When November 1st, now remember now, this is usually two days Behind of what's really happening. November 1st, Queen Anne County, with the state average being seven-day positivity of 3.8%, and the seven-day case rate per 100,000 statewide was 13.7. Queen Anne County at that time had a positivity percentage of 4.4%, and a seven day case rate of 11.3.
2: Percent? Or is that the 11.3? Case
7: three? rate, case per 100,000. Yeah. So basically, with 11.3, that meant we had 5.4 positive cases that day because they double our case rate because of our population. Hmm. Okay? Well, today is the 8th of December. What has occurred since the 1st of November, the state average now for percent positivity, seven day, was 7.6% this morning. The seven day case rate for the state was 44.8. That's up from, what did you say, 13?
1: 13
7: 13. 13.7. 13.7. Queen Anne County. Now remember where we were, November 1. November 1, we were sitting at a case rate, and I go by this case rate more than the positivity percentage because it's actually showing us the number of positive cases we're experiencing in this county. November 1, remember, we were 113 Today, we are 35.4, so 17, (laughs) excuse me, that's 17 then, 17, and that's truly what we have been averaging. Now granted, we did have one day where we had 46 positives. Now, the PowerPoint, I'm going to show you some other statistics. I assume it's on. It should be on, yeah. Bruce is going to check it. Basically, I'm going to show you the data this data on PowerPoint was put together with data up to and including November 30th. Go ahead and just push to the next slide. Sure, ma'am. All right, this compares where we were statewide and jurisdiction wide on the 30th. On um, when? 30th of November. 30th, okay. Now, if I add the first eight days of December, we are sitting now at 1,351 confirmed cases. We still, fortunately or unfortunately, have not had any increase in deaths. We have 23 total deaths in the county since the first part of March, 18 of those deaths. Occurred in our long-term care facility with their outbreak. Five have been in our general population. We've had approximately 65 individuals hospitalized. Now, the next slide... You got the next slide? Okay.
3: Dr. C, is that... The 65, did that not change the hospitalizations even though we jumped to 1365? Correct. So we're, okay, so actually our hospitalization percentage went down. And so I'll
7: show great. you which button to go, advance, the right. Yep. Yeah. This has broken down since March every month, the number of positive cases that we've had in Queen Anne County. And I draw your attention to November. Realistically, we've added an additional 43 patients because this data was de- was developed on the 30th of November, but we've had subsequent positive cases that have come in that were tested three or four days before the end of November. Okay. And we go by the date that they're tested to report them as positives, not the day the report comes in. So... In November, we had a total of 375 positive cases. It is the highest speak, peak and spike that we have had since the beginning of this pandemic. Where we sit in December as of the today, 127 positive cases already.
2: In six days? Yeah. And actually, it's four days because are you testing Saturday and Sundays? So in four days, you've got 100 and how many? Now
7: remember, some of these are point-of-care tests. We count those as a positive because if that's a positive point-of-care, it has to be verified with a PCR nasal swab. But for data, it's considered a positive.
3: So is that two for one person
7: then? Hmm. No, it's not two. So, if
3: I went and tested and then wound up going to the hospital and getting tested again, they'd only count my positivity as one, one time. Okay.
7: Next, oh, I got the slide.
1: But you said that was 121?
7: 127. 127.
1: Did we have a peak of people coming in to get tested right after Thanksgiving? Because there was
7: <clears throat> less week, testing the week off Thanksgiving? Last week, we tested about 850 people in Queen Anne alone.
1: What was What's our average on a week that we test?
7: Our average week or average month
1: mm-hmm.
7: is about anywhere from 1,200 a month to 1,500. Our highest month was July when we had the outbreaks in all the restaurants and the mm-hmm. narrows and we had to test everybody. We tested 3,300 people. That's only what we're testing. Shore Regional Health at the college is testing Monday and Wednesday. Mm-hmm. We have a couple of the practices that are testing their patient panels, and we also have people going for rapid tests who wanted to travel and have gone to urgent cares, and some of them have even gone to Middletown in Delaware. There's an urgent care there, and they're doing a lot of testing.
1: So if they go to, to Delaware. They'll report back. Then. Still
7: get the report back.
3: Okay. So the 8:50 doc is is that are those people coming in? Are they symptomatic when they're coming to get tested? Just because they want to get it's tested? A, it or is or a is...
7: mix of all. It's people who want to travel. It's people who have been exposed. It's family members of an individual who is positive. And it is some symptomatic. Okay? We do not require a physician's order to test. It is open to the general public.
3: Are you you seeing people coming in with flu symptoms that are just worried they may have COVID and getting tested, too? Or is that... Believe
7: it or not, the state has not reported any positive flu yet. Really? Well, that's great. People come in and complain, I got a sinus infection or I got a scratchy throat. That's what the complaints are. But the tip-off is when they get the fever of 100.4 or higher, they lose their sense of smell and taste. Those are two of the key signs early. Yes, sir. Hospitalizations from Queen Anne's County? We currently have four individuals in the hospital. Last week we had five show you some data. Yes sir,
1: real quick. Of those new cases we have from December, do we have a feel for how many of those folks traveled for Thanksgiving or had company come into town for
7: That's Thanksgiving? contact tracing. Yeah. And the <clears throat> problem with contact tracing now is a huge overload to Nork, which is the primary contact tracer providing the information not only where they work, where they've traveled, what is their occupation? And what we've looked at with the contact tracing that we're also doing with the use of our epidemiologist, Ravish, that we have in the health department that we hired contractually, the majority of the positivity is due to gatherings, both family and larger family and friend gatherings, not necessarily travel. Mm. Okay. We broke this down by cases by age group. And as you can see, the majority of the patients that we're getting for positivity is is between the age of 25 and 64. We broke down our school-age children zero to 19. We were at one point early in this, in the summer, running about 24% positivity for our zero to 19. That has come down to less than 19% right now. You ask about deaths. This is where we stand. And it shows you the monthly hospitalization (coughs) and our monthly death occurrences. Since August, or really since July, we've had only two deaths. Out of a population of essentially fifty-five thousand, I think that's pretty incredible.
3: So you said five hospitalized, but you have nine up there. That's nine throughout the entire month. Is that that correct?
7: Nine is
3: not current. That's what we have total
7: current right now. We have four in the hospital. Last week we had five, and I suspect that talking to the hospital today, two of the four will probably be discharged this week. Okay. Right now. At a meeting with all the health officers and Dr. Huffner from Shore Regional Health. Right now, the hospital has their highest number of positive COVID cases since the pandemic started. They have 15 in positive cases. They have about, I think, 10 to 15 that were pending PCR tests. Only one of those 15 is in the ICU and not on a ventilator. Okay?
2: They can't say that for.
7: Can't a say spring. that for you can't. Yeah. You the can't vent, I mean the
2: ventilators is is the key I think. And, and,
7: and what I'd like to show you with this slide, this shows you the hospitalization by age. This shows you the severity of the age group we have to be worried about. Whew. Technically, sixty-five. Yeah, you're you're in good shape, Phil. <laughs> Behave yourself. Yes, sir.
4: <laughs> yes, sir.
7: When you look at 65 and older, this is where our greatest risk is for both severity as well as the possibility of death. And that's where our deaths have come from.
3: Is, is a lot of that still circling back to you uh, that you're finding through them is pre-existing conditions uh, associated Absol- with it?
7: Absolutely, pre condition pre-conditions, the morbidity from diabetes, congestive heart failure, lung disease, COPD, and marked obesity have a greater propensity for significant negative outcomes. And this shows you the age breakdown. (coughs) Basically what we have had the graph. And you see the deaths have occurred we had one 50-year-old who had significant comorbidities, and he was our youngest death. But over 75, that's where the majority of the deaths are.
3: So. So, so the 95 to 105, obviously everybody in that age group died, but only one was hospitalized. Were they in elder care or something that they died in elder care? Or-
7: Some of Most of those have died in either assisted living or they were in the hospital and died at home, not in the hospital. They had been discharged. Okay. Or it was
3: hospice. They were discharged positive and still were allowed to be discharged?
7: They were discharged to hospice. Okay. 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 Because it was palliative care at that point. Gotcha. Now, there's been a lot of requests from the citizens about what zip codes are the positive zip codes. <laughs> there you go, folks.
2: I think that's a little misleading because it doesn't give you what the percentage of those total populations
7: are. But it gives you by zip code. Right. So if that's you right. look, if you look at Centerville, right, it's pretty much Centerville. But if you look at Graysonville, Stevensville, Chester, and Graysonville. I mean, that's, that gives you a pretty good idea where your population is. Mm-hmm. And here's a graph that basically shows where it's all broken down.
3: So Centerville's the highest? Is that? Centerville's the highest. Okay. highest?
0: Mm-hmm. Centerville's the highest, yeah. Mm-hmm. Your town.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, but again, highest number, but highest number. based on its population, what, right, right. It, right, it could be the same as anyone else. So,
7: so the people wanted to know. They've been asking us. So, I've provided this, and I believe that they're going to put this on QAC-TV so that the public can have a chance to look at the graphs, the numbers, the percentage.
3: So, I mean, I, I didn't know people were asking for this, but what's the significance of it, other than the, the more That's, populated areas? Back in
2: the spring, back in the spring, people were concerned when our numbers were, were low and they were starting to climb that. Where is it? What zip code? I don't want to go to that zip code. Stay away from it. That's what the
3: mentality. But, but I mean, it's it's the populous areas are always going to have a higher case rate. I the mean, law that's of just the large numbers say so. Yeah, I mean, it's just the. Yeah. It's based so, on
7: numbers. It's based on community spread. We have widespread community spread in Queen Anne County. It's all of Queen Anne County. Right, period. Right. And where you have dense population. You're going to have a higher percentage of cases.
1: That makes sense. So, well, a higher so number of cases, not necessarily a higher percentage. Well, a higher number. Right, right yeah. number. And as Jim was saying, I mean, if you had a town of 15, right. 17 people have it, that's your high percentage versus. Yeah,
3: yeah I'm looking right, at Meridell up, up there. It's well so almost the whole town. They got 27 people with it. <laughs> that's everybody. Right.
7: They got 100%. So they got 100%. Right. Right. right, yeah. All right. The good news we probably will have vaccine next week okay. to the state.
1: Right. So when will be here?
7: I can answer that. (laughs) Just like we had testing material way back in March. Right. The way they're estimating it, it is going to the 1A, which is hospital staff who are acutely involved in the care of these COVID patients and long-term care facilities and assisted living.
2: You had a meeting today with the other health officials. Is that what you said? I mean, I guess my wife's an ICU nurse, and in her humble opinion, the vaccine should be going by the oldest in reverse because hospital care has the most PPE equipment than anybody. They're not getting – the nurses aren't getting sick in the hospital.
7: I don't disagree with you. And I think that these decisions are being made by the feds, by CDC, this is not a local decision. Okay. This is not a state decision.
1: Well, And I think in part of it, it's not that they're going to catch it at the hospital. is that we need them in health so they can care for people. So they might, if you're, you work in the hospital, but you might oh. catch it out at a gathering or something, but we need you to stay healthy.
7: And we still don't know until after Thursday when the FDA comes out with their evaluation of both the Pfizer vaccine as well as the Moderna vaccine, specifically what contraindications are there? Who should take it? Who shouldn't take it? Okay. What type of side effects are we looking at? And what are the possible risks of a vaccine? We are going to probably get to the state 150,000 <laughs> doses. Here comes the good news. <laughs> well, I asked sure, Dr. Huffner, how much because it's going to the hospitals, it's going to CVS and Walgreens have the contracts with the state with federal money to vaccinate the staff and the residents of long-term care facilities as well as assisted living. So that will take up pretty much all of that initial $150,000. But talking with Dr. Huffner, I said, how much is sure going to get? And he said, at this point in time, Anywhere from 700 to 1,000 doses. Now, we did work out an agreement. Because of the fact that this is the super cold vaccine, the hospital is receiving their deep freezer tomorrow. And what the five health officers have agreed to is we're going to regionalize our storage. There's no sense in five midshore jurisdictions trying to fight over dry ice because this thing has to be kept at minus 70 degrees Celsius so the hospital will essentially be the depot for delivery and then we will allocate. we are each jurisdiction will get an allocation
4: Dr. C did you say minus seven degrees or seven77 seven, seven zero. Seven, zero.
3: Seven, zero. Seven, 0 take a 110 Fahrenheit
7: number Negative. one the Pfizer vaccine has to then be defrosted. It has to be reconstituted. And it's only good for four to six hours after it's been reconstituted.
4: And how many doses do you, or will you have to be taken? It just
7: one shot two. Will do it? It's two. Two. Both of those vaccines, the Moderna and the Pfizer, are a double shot. Pfizer, I believe, is 25 days in between. Moderna is 21.
1: Is it, for- is it? No more than or no less than 21 days in between.
7: It is no, it, it is right at that 21. Right at day that window. mark, you can't do it early, and you can't do it later. The discussions that are going on with the CDC and with the state health department, specifically about the vaccines, is the identification, what mechanism they're going to try and record this. It will go into a system called Immunet, and that's where every vaccine goes, so that you can get a record of your vaccine. You will also get a paper copy at the time, because of the fact that we have to give the same brand of vaccine for the second shot. So, if you get a Pfizer on January 2, your next shot's got to be Pfizer. It can't be Moderna. And if J&J comes out with their vaccine before mm-hmm. or after that, it has to be the same vaccine. So there's going to be a logistical nightmare yeah. to try and keep track and t- not only time, but make sure that the individual receives the appropriate vaccine.
4: So, so mathematically, you're saying if we get 150 doses, we're actually only going to be able to inject 75 people. Is that, no, is that what because mean,
7: what the Fed is doing? If we get one hundred and fifty thousand doses to the state next week, maybe by the fourteenth, the Fed is holding the second set of those shots. They're not, dis- but they will dispense them to us right before that twenty-fifth day. Okay. Hopefully, not that afternoon of the twenty-fourth day.
1: Yeah, as I said, it's another logistical
7: Okay. But that's the good news. At least. Warp Speed has provided us with a vaccine. The other piece of the good news is, yeah, our numbers are going up. They're really on a rocket trajectory right now. But thankfully, our hospitalizations haven't shot up in comparison to the number of positives. And I attribute that more to the age of the individuals that are getting this. But I cannot encourage the public any stronger than I can say. Wear your face coverings. Avoid large gatherings. Wash your hands. And if you have flu-like symptoms, stay home. Do not go to work. And don't go visit your relatives.
3: Doc, one last question in terms of, so I've heard different reports, read a few articles about it. And obviously, I know there's some truth to it. So people who've had it, people who can test and have the antibody, should we not be testing people for that or with that predisposition so as not to basically waste a vaccine on them because they're we not ask that,
7: We asked that question. Why give a vaccine to somebody who's already got it and have antibodies? Well, they've, test, they've done the vaccine on some of those people, and some of the discussion that we've had with the CDC and the state is they may recommend a single shot as a booster to their antibodies because okay. the question is... We don't know enough about the virus and the presence of antibodies, whether it's going to be three months, whether it's going to be six months, or whether you have it for a year. We don't know.
3: So do do you get, like, the first shot? Or are both shots equal, it's just you're getting two of them to get the the right doses? You're
7: getting getting the right antibody antigen response with two shots. And the symptomatology... Listening to the news conference today, and we have a meeting tonight with all the state health officers. Basically, the symptomatology with the shot is like you have a mild case of COVID. You get a headache, you have a low-grade fever, you get some general muscle ache, and within 24 to 36 hours, it's gone. So, But more to come. We don't know all the answers, but at least... There is a light at this tunnel. It may not be for the general population till maybe spring, depending on how fast and how much vaccine the federal government can get into the states. Hmm. So I'm open for any other questions.
2: Have you, has, do you have any data that shows the severity of it now, the COVID now? I mean, I know that we've got the numbers are skyrocketing. Uh, but they're not on the same trajectory with those in the hospital. So those who aren't going to the hospital, are they uh, a bad cold? I mean, are they still losing taste, smell, pulse ox going down?
7: Pulse ox, that's what we watch, okay? And we're doing in conjunction with the hospitals, people who are discharged like a day or two when they're stable coming home, we're actually doing patient monitoring devices and going to the hospital, ask us to go out. We send our MIC team out with the paramedic and the nurse to deliver the pulse ox, the blood pressure cuff, and then link them to their primary care so that there is a daily report so that we don't have the problem with an elderly individual who may be home alone or with another loved one who is also older and not as well to monitor because what we have seen is When these patients, especially what we saw in the nursing home, they go bad real quick. So it's important that they're monitored to some degree after they're discharged from the hospital. And we've been doing that. And as far as severity, I look at hospitalization rate. And considering the number of increased cases and the fact that we have four people in the hospital, that's a pretty good sign that the majority of the individuals that are getting currently infected yeah, they're sick for maybe a week to 10 days, and they're pretty miserable that first five to seven days, but they're not to the point where they need to be hospitalized.
2: I will say that that MIC unit is worth its weight in gold. It's best best program, I think, that we've ever rolled out of here, so yeah. kudos to you on that one. I mean, that just is really a great idea.
4: You used the phrase, pole, um Pulse ox. The
2: little thing goes on your finger, tells oh, the oxygen okay. level. Measures your-,
4: your oxygen content. Okay. Basically, they're vitals.
7: True. The blood pressure and they're Mm -hmm. checking the pulse because the pulse ox shows the pulse as well as the O2 set. Any other questions, gentlemen? Steve.
8: There are just a points here. So, November numbers, no surprise because of indoorness and so on. Also Thanksgiving. So you're going to see some ramp now. But the real problem, I think, and I request your opinion... Is that 10-day period from the 20th of December through the January is going to be a shitstorm. Excuse my (laughs)
7: French, okay? Number one, we're going to have to... Don't cut it and sugarcoat it. No, I'm not going to sugarcoat it because, number one, we're going to see a significant increase in cases. I'm more worried about my age bracket that may be exposed because of family visitation and everything else like that. And the third thing is we're going to be testing the heck out of everybody because everybody's going to say, we traveled, we want to get tested and doing three days a week and then trying to plan for vaccination and we don't have any more CARES money? I mean, we've been using contracted staff. Mm -hmm. And come 31st of January, all of that staff, I'm going to have to dig into funding from someplace.
2: Are they all registered nurses?
7: We're using both registered nurses and CNAs. I thought
2: I heard that there was a possibility that there would be some volunteering of registered nurses to, to man some of these. Have you given any thought to that? Is that, is that true or not true? Or
7: They've looked the Maryland Reserve Corps, mm-hmm. and we tried to do that when we set up the regional testing back in March and April at Chesapeake College. We got zero support. Really? Okay.
2: Well, I think it might be different now because I think then more of a fear thing that we, I've got to go into this.
7: The state has put out a request for vaccinators. Now, we've trained our EMS ALS providers to be vaccinators. They actually were with the nurses doing the flu vaccine when we were doing the flu through the drive-through in the tents. I probably have 12 to 14 ALS clinicians who are trained and approved to vaccinate. And when we do a vaccination, We will be doing it in specific locations, and I'm not going to publicize it, okay?
2: Well, I will tell you this much. My wife volunteers me all the time for things. I'm more than happy to volunteer her to give out shots for you.
7: <laughs> Whenever you need her,
2: you call me, and I'll make sure she's there. Fair enough. That's right. I think it's be very hard to keep people down on
3: uh, December 31st into January 1st and celebrating the end of 2020. I, just, oh, yeah. I think yeah. you'll be very hard-pressed to put a PSA yeah, out you know, that's going to work for that night.
4: Normally, we, we, we're, we're celebrating the arrival of the new year. Yeah. I think now everybody is.
3: Bye the last the year, and hello the next
4: year.
7: <laughs> Memorial Day, gentlemen would be a true Memorial Day if this is all over by then.
4: Amen. Oh, yep. Absolutely.
2: Yep.
7: Doc C., thank you very much for yep.
4: you I mean, you stayed, doing our
2: outstanding job. Thank you. You've stayed it.
4: leading edge through this whole thing from the very, very beginning. And, and I'll say it, and I hope that citizens of Queen Anne's County truly do appreciate all the knowledge and experience and commitment to this that you brought us. So thank you.
7: Hopefully we will continue to weather this on a rather choppy sea yeah. and not 10-foot uh, swells.
3: Thanks, Doc. Thank you. Thank you. you.
0: All right, thank you, Dr. Sietola. All right, Commissioners, we can, uh, we can go ahead and have our public hearing now. If you want to turn to tab number 7.0 first item there is a notice of the public hearing and I believe uh, County Attorney Patrick Thompson is here to um, run the public hearing tonight. This is an amendment to Section 27-1403 of the Alcoholic Beverages article.
11: Patrick? Thank you. This is hearing being held by the County Commission of Queen Anne's County December 8, 2020 at 6.15 p.m. County Commissioner's Meeting Room, Liberty Building, 107 North Liberty Street in Central Maryland. Purpose of the hearing is to receive public comment on the proposal to request an amendment to Section 27, 1403 of the Alcoholic Beverage Article, which would allow the Board of Licensed Commissioners of Queen Anne County to exempt up the four establishments from the requirements that the applicant for a liquor license other than a Class A beer wine and liquor license own at least a 15% interest in the corporation or liability or a limited liability company on whose behalf the license is being applied for. Copies of the legislation have been available at the office of the county commissioners. During normal business hours, uh, citizens are requested to participate by email, live video, uh, and audio is available through the county website. Uh, speakers will be limited to three minutes each. A written testimony of any length can be submitted to the county commissioners on before the hearing dates. All uh, hearing sites are accessible to individuals with disabilities, sign language interpreters, and assistive listening systems are available. Uh, uh, part of the record of proceeding will be a certificate of publication in the game, and notice of the hearing was published in the Bay Rouge Record Observer for two successive weeks prior to today's date. I know Jeff
9: Thompson.
12: Good evening, commissioners. Evening. Good evening. I would point out the, uh, the Liquor Board, the Board of License Commissioners, met on December the 1st, uh, took testimony, and voted to support the bill as proposed by, by the commissioners. With the addition, and I really don't know what's on the table. I didn't see anything out, uh, outside. But they, they did want an exception from um, the amendment to provide that the uh, exemption shall not be granted for licenses on property located within the Kenton Airs Commercial Management and Waterfront Improvement District as may be amended from time to time, which I know I refer to for the most part as being the WVC WVC district. And with that amendment, the uh, Board of License Commissioners was in favor. I think they took into consideration that a year ago, um, an amendment was carved out for municipalities. And when you think about it, we're talking about larger restaurants, which means they'll require uh, sewer capacity. So when you carve out the municipalities, what we're really talking about is we're talking about, you know, the Kent Island sewer service area, with the exception in place. So it's really, it's, it's just really that, because as we all know, you couldn't have a restaurant like this elsewhere, and we've carved out municipalities in the last legislative session. So that's sort of where we are. Take any questions, if you might have them.
2: No, I just wanted to confirm that that's what the the uh, bill we were talking about it was the, with uh, with it, the liquor board's it, recommendation. Correct. Yeah. With with, with the
12: uh, with the exception. Right. Okay.
2: Good. Yeah.
12: Well, kind of, you know, it, it keeps the uh, it keeps the narrows really, you know, with with restaurants that are more I don't know uh, familiar to the to the shore. Mm-hmm. Your crab Which houses, your crab houses, and your seafood yeah. restaurants. Our indigenous the, like, and restaurants? Yeah. Right. And, and we pretty much know that any larger scale restaurant that's going to locate on Canal is going to be in that 50 corridor. They're going to have road frontage. So, very good. Any other questions? All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Any
11: other public comments or perspective to the proposal? Anything on the- yeah, We do have two
6: emails. Okay. All right. Our first email comes from Rory Flood. Dear Board of Commissioners, Queen Anne's County is filled with great entrepreneurial spirit. In the midst of a pandemic, we continue to see new companies growing from the community to serve the needs of our citizens. In addition, hometown businesses throughout the county are adapting to continued restrictions while caring for residents' well-being by giving them a sense of normalcy in the routines that have changed so drastically. It shows this community cares about one another. We need more of what makes Queen Anne's County a great place to live, work, and play. Bringing in businesses that do not add to the unique magic that is our home on the Bay do not serve to benefit the community. What unique opportunities and concepts could we hope to see come from these additions? What value does a chain bring to our community spirit? We have a world-class training facility in Chesapeake College that can continue to promote hospitality courses and certificates in addition to countless other programs and areas of study that will benefit local employers and entrepreneurs. We should be encouraging from within our county and showing our students what community means to us by keeping it special. I realize that change is inevitable, but let us continue to build from inside. Let's inspire the next wave of entrepreneurs to find and follow their passions and create unique experiences that continue to bring people from around the globe to Queen Anne's County. Let's continue, let's continue to be one-of-a-kind place to live and for the world to visit. If nothing else, it would mean a great deal to residents of Queen Anne's County To pause on passing any decision on this discussion until a time when community can convene again and have in-person discussions regarding amending legislation that would have a dramatic impact on what makes us so unique. Then our next email comes from Gigi Winley. The Board of Kenton Development Foundation Board reviewed the recommendation made by the License commissioners, the Liquor Board, of Queens County, Maryland, during their meeting on Tuesday, December 1st, 2020, at 9 a.m. The commission requested that amendments be made to Section 27-1403 of the Alcoholic Beverage Article, which would allow the Board of License Commissioners of Queens County to, 1. Exempt up to four establishments from the requirement that the applicant for a liquor license, other than a Class A beer, wine, and liquor license, own at least 15 percent interest in the corporation or liability company on whose behalf the license is being applied for. Number two, allow no such exemption for a license on property located within Kent Narrow's Commercial Management and Waterfront Improvement District. The KNDF board members reviewed the recommendations by electronic mail and voted to support the Liquor Board's recommendations to the Queens County Commissioners exactly as stated. Currently, all the restaurants and bars located in the Kent Narrows Special Improvement District are privately owned. Many are longtime family businesses that provide this area with a variety of foods and operational individuality. This unique nature of these businesses is what gives this region a competitive advantage in attracting customers and also supports the local agriculture and seafood industries on the eastern shore. That's all for emails.
1: No the public
6: testimony?
1: Close public testimony. Okay. Um, we
0: do have one desk item here. Is that?
5: Warren's outside, uh, and I had emailed that to the commissioners.
0: Okay, so we did have this, this one document here. Um, desk item, or it's a desk item, is a 15% ownership comment, written comment for this particular hearing. So,
11: your consideration. Does that have the exemption language on the In there?
0: No, this is just a written testimony from the uh, Drug Force Coalition on the 15% ownership. I don't know if it if he was referring to which. Uh, I can have
5: them on
2: I, I can Where's see. Can Warren, it? come on in here. I can see him from out there. I think this was more <laughs> about the. Uh, uh, Alcohol in the. Um,
1: I think that's about limits on. Limits.
2: Warren, is this about the restaurants or is this about the alcohol? Just
6: a, a note to everyone: uh, um, two things we do, and one is uh, compliance checks, which you guys are the best commissioners we've ever had to get that done. Second thing is the number of alcohol places where you can get alcohol, and that we just uh, just, just a note to say that that's being taken up by the liquor board right. for the January meeting.
2: Right. Yeah. So that, that's this is about where you can buy alcohol.
6: Yeah, and Literally. it was just an update from the last right. time that I've sent something.
1: Excellent. Great. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So we'll close the public, 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 public comment on that. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is something that we have to get to the delegation, right, because this is a state law. So we do. something so for us yeah. to vote on now. Yep. Generally, we would put off two weeks, but this is something for us to vote on now.
0: Right, yeah, the original version of this bill has been submitted to the general assembly it 's been drafted. It does not have the uh, the exemption language in it that 's been proposed by the liquor board, which we 're considering now so uh, if you want to vote on that or the original bill or not to proceed at all, that would be
2: the, your your three options on this particular legislation so so the motion would be uh, to amend to the existing uh
1: well, well we, the, to, the proposed legislation to incorporate the to recommendation from the liquor board. You, you're an attorney. To, Why don't you to, to the recommend
11: a the legislation yeah. as amended as proposed by the liquor board. By the liquor board. Yeah.
2: Okay, I'm going to make a motion to Do recommend that. the I'm legislation as a, point, as approved by the
1: liquor board. Second. Okay, we got a motion. to Second. Any comment? Discussion. I want to add one thing. Um, to this discussion, so that you know, so the public can understand this, that there was a Supreme Court case, uh, 2019, Tennessee Wine and Spirits Association versus the Tennessee Alcohol Beverage Company. A um, little bit different than the issue here, but it was addressing um, some restrictions on residency. Not necessarily what's the issue that we're dealing with, but it has implications. And in August of 2020. Um, the Harford County Liquor Control Board asked for an opinion from the Attorney General Um, and the guidance from the Attorney General is that they think that the way that the opinion would be uh, construed in later case law of challenge would be to say that if there is any residency jurisdictions that that could be uh, found to be unconstitutional. And so in, in what we're doing here, I, I know some of the local restaurants might see it as, as an attack on them. We're actually protecting them with this because if we're allowing some people from outside the county to have an establishment here, um, it lessens the ability of that challenge to go through as being just sort of arbitrary. Um, so I think it may not feel this way to some, um, but we actually are trying to help local businesses with this, as well as address uh, other citizens' uh, concerns for for having some other types of um, establishments available. Um, this does not mean that it's chain restaurants. It could be a restaurateur from Annapolis who's right. got two restaurants there and wants to open something here. It could be you know a chain that's a Maryland chain, not a national chain. So I, it, it doesn't mean we're going to have you know Hooters and TGI Fridays opening up everywhere. That that's not the point of it. Um, but this is sort of a way to try to get a compromise from citizen interest and in local businesses and still protecting our local businesses. So I, I think we've reached a pretty good compromise on this.
3: To your point, honestly, somebody with deep enough pockets that challenges this, because of the Supreme Court decision, there's a good chance that even what we're doing now doesn't stop the floodgates. I right. Mean, honestly, but we're, we're
1: at least pushing it off some, I for, think. Yeah.
3: I mean, we're, we're trying to get it to where we have a, something that's close that we probably won't get challenged on because we do offer the opportunity now. But at the end of the day, if, you know, we're cutting off at four if that fifth person comes in, quite honestly, if they have deep pockets and they can sue, they're probably going to win because of the precedence that's been set. That's Sadly. Right. I mean, that is the reality we're living with right now. That's so, a possibility.
1: Yeah. But hopefully it's a battle down the road that, you know, we can... Well, uh, you know, if we've we had this conversation.
3: Incur- any restaurant, even if it was a chain, was walking through the door today, they're not opening their doors until 2024, dear earliest. By the time you go through planning and zoning, construction, all that kind of stuff, you're three years out from opening your doors. Um, so... Even this isn't. This isn't going to affect anything until probably 2024 at the earliest.
4: And to and to add to Jack's point, I think uh, under our current conditions, being the pandemic and COVID, and ha- and and how this has ultimately affected restaurants um, because of the reduction in the amount of people that can can be there. I'm sure there's not any of these companies that that were mentioned earlier. Are even remotely interested in, in opening up a new location just yet, anyway?
1: So, all right. Well, we so we have um, a motion to recommend to the general assembly a change to the liquor license with the incorporating the, the exception that the liquor board recommended to us. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Either. Um. Who, who, who second that? We, we oh. uh, Jim,
3: Jim did the motion he, he, Phil did the second. He did. Okay. I made the remember here in a second. I remember Jim made the motion. Yep. Okay. Very good. Thank you, Pat. Thanks, Pat. Patrick, thank,
0: thank you. Uh, Happy New Year and all those good things. Thank you, Pat. <laughs> all right, Commissioners, we have one more presentation. Do you want to do that next with sure. the, and before we do our action items? Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, Amy Andy, if you want to come on up, I have our Newest Director of Planning and Zoning, Amy Mordock, giving her departmental update. Which she said it's uh, fairly brief tonight. But, I promise. But her presentation is under uh, tab 6, page 1. And uh, we do have a PowerPoint as well. Okay. All right.
5: So um, the last update that you had from our department was in February of 2019. So I'm going to give you... A, 20, a brief snapshot of 2019 and then a snapshot of 2020 um, and just let you know that my predecessor left the department in really good shape. So I've inherited a really great staff, um, an organized department.
1: See, what you're supposed to say... Is it was in terrible shape. Not and then three you months you come all. back to us and you say, it, it, this, this is, is what I've accomplished. Time. <laughs> I, it was not easy, but I turned it around.
5: No, that wouldn't be true. So, um, no, I've inherited a really great, uh, competent staff, and they've been working hard, and they're continuing to work hard, and that is what is reflected in my um, review of 2019 and I just don't want to go through statistics for you but I I put them together for you so that you'd have them so let me see if I can manage this yes I can okay so really what I've given you is um, the Planning Commission and Board uh, Board of Appeals activities because those are often a lot of the big projects what I didn't put before you are all of the staff level reviews that happen So what you won't see in these numbers, if they don't look uh, large to you uh, or voluminous, is you don't see the administrative subdivisions, the minor uh, subdivisions, the minor site plans. All of the minor site plans that don't occur on Route 50 are all reviewed administratively. Um, What you're not seeing here are all of the committees that are staffed by um, by our planners and other members of staff. To note, Brennan uh, Tarleton is our senior plan reviewer and he is the liaison to the Economic Development Commission. So, the projects that you're going to see here are um, brought before the Economic Development Commission either as fyi items or seeking their input on the items uh, that go before the planning commission and the board and also our technical advisory committee Um, rob rob gunter who is our principal plan reviewer is our liaison to the kent narrows development foundation and he puts together a quarterly report for them i think there's been a little lag uh, but he'll be picking that back up again I don't and I don't think the lag was was too long but also our long-range planner who is yet to be hired uh, shares that job too because there are a lot more comprehensive planning issues that go before the Kent Nairs Development Foundation because they have their own uh, community plan so that's important so what you're seeing here in uh, the 2019 review Are all of the text amendment and map amendments concept plans and note that in 2019 we had uh, solar projects on the agendas then and those are mostly mostly have gone through the process although we still have one pending Um, minor site plans and major site plans we've had three major subdivisions in uh, 2019 and that number is going to be consistent in 2020 and extension requests and these extension requests are very regular as you see an average of one a month and that's pretty typical and extension requests happen when projects just don't quite get off the ground as they'd anticipated so those can be major subdivisions or site plan reviews and for good cause the planning commission can give extensions to projects that have been previously approved we also review town projects at times and those are specific to annexation requests or uh, comprehensive plan amendments, and that's what we did in 2019. Uh, There was a Berkeley annexation, and uh, uh, Queenstown amended their comprehensive plan to come in line with their previous annexation. Um, The Board of Appeals heard 30 cases in 2019, approving 17 variances, um, 11 conditional uses, Jim, I wanted to point out that they denied an application. Yeah, I
3: saw
5: that. <laughs> um, And I can tell you what that is because I thought you would want to know uh, what it that was right. that they denied. And they denied the uh, Casper Solar uh, Conditional Use Application.
3: Churchill. Oh. The Churchill Solar.
5: Yep. Isn't she, this was the one that was proposed amidst a um, historic district yeah. and several horse farms. And um, there was a lot of concern in the neighborhood, so it was found to be inconsistent with that neighborhood.
2: But the Planning Commission gave it a favorable? No.
5: I do not recall.
2: No? Okay. They
3: had conditions on it, and then it went to the Board of Appeals. So, okay. Yeah. All
9: right.
5: Though so I thought you'd want to know. There was, Thank you. There has been a denial. Um, and then um, they approved an appeal of a decision. Also, uh, plugging right along is our critical area, Chapter 14 update. I think we are getting ever closer to wrapping that up, and that will be an accomplishment that I will report to you that my predecessor wished he had. But, <laughs> but, but we're going to do that. And uh, also we have updated, in 2019, we finalized the update to the maps, to the critical area maps, which uh, were ground truth and digitized. We also enacted a modified buffer area with that, um, with that exercise. And here's a snapshot of our um, new dwellings. And the dwellings include a single family, multi-family uh, trailers and apartments. So these are actual dwelling units. And I don't have the statistics for 2020 yet. We're in the process of generating that data. But you'll see that in uh, 2019, there, there was a jump to uh, 223, and you see that's almost a double from 2014. And I think that we're going to be uh, on par uh, this year, too, with a, with a similar number of dwelling units. And that is connected to the number of subdivisions, of course, that we've... <coughs> Um, 2020 even though uh, we've been working through the pandemic really the statistics are just about the same we've had really the same number of projects that have gone through planning commission review so our planning commission really didn't skip a beat um, with processing applications Uh, so we had just about the same number of text amendments and uh, concept plans. This year we saw mining operations because they're often on the same renewal schedule. So we saw mining operations instead of solar projects this year, Um, but really the same number of minor site plans, major site plans, and um, subdivision applications. And our extension requests are down a bit, and that probably is um, COVID-related. Um, our board of appeals did slow down that was one board that did not meet for several months um, but they are rapidly they're probably going to be on par with the 2019 numbers we have 17 cases as of now 11 approved variances five conditional uses approved and one appeal and um, we're scheduling cases um, to make up for some of the backlog so I think we'll probably wind up with more than 30, um, not more than 30 cases by the end of this year, but we're going to be um, well over 20 cases by the end of this year. Um, I have a statistic for you about the number of commercial projects or square footage of uh, commercial development that's been approved so far this year, and that is over uh, 300,000 square feet of commercial area. And residential permits are um, over 1,000, so that's What just... were they in
2: 19? Do you know? I
5: don't have those st- okay. statistics, uh, and that is due to the fact that our new database has... We were under transition, so we could easily run reports for this data under InterGov, but could not do the same for 2019 because...
2: It would be interesting to see tried. what 18 and 19 were, just to see what COVID's done. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, it's... Well, you if, you're, if you're chugging along at the same amount, that's you were two twenty three for new dwellings. No, that was for whole houses. This is additions, decks, everything. Oh, this is everything. That's yeah, everything. gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
5: So yeah, and we will have that number. We just don't have it for this report. We'll have it for our general um, annual report that is due to the Department of Planning every year. Um, beyond, and these are just the projects that are in the hopper right now. Four seasons uh, phase two was approved, but phases three and four are under review, and that will button up that project. Um, Fisherman's Village, uh, the planning commission approved 120 um, 120 room hotel with a banquet facility. Kent Narrows Marine Expansion, um, which right now the restaurant pad site is under review, and there should be a future office pad site. Um, We're looking at a a new apartment complex on Postal Road, um, 60 units, and that has had conceptual review, and site plan review is pending. Kent Island Crossing, which is an 84-unit assisted living facility, has had concept review and will continue to move. Bluegrass Solar is the solar project that's still on our books, um, and that is continuing to uh, under review. The... Y Farm Brewery has received its approval and is not yet under construction or hasn't applied for building permits yet, but uh, that's a pending project. And the Perry's Retreat, which is a major subdivision, Uh, the major subdivision was approved, and it is a 156-lot
2: subdivision. What's what's going on with that one?
5: I do not know.
2: I mean, that one is...
4: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's been on it's been here I mean, for a the, long time that was on our allocation request yeah list I mean, yeah to get it back and hmm. i think I mean, the builder changed and what's well, been yeah, i'm
5: not sure what the hold up is but
4: it's i can been back i can report
5: back to you about
2: that 13 14 years i mean it's been a long time longer than that, i reviewed yeah. that back when i was in
0: public works as an engineer like 25 yeah. years ago yeah so yeah <laughs> it's been yeah
9: tough site but
5: Um, Also, also, uh, Barnstable has had a conceptual review. There are um, a lot of hurdles with that project. Uh, And a couple of Delmarva Power substations, one in Queenstown, one in Chester. And uh, the Goldsboro Mining Extraction, which has had its initial review, and it was a continued project because they provided so much evidence at the hearing, the board needed time to review it. Um,
2: Didn't they just go in front of the Board of Appeals?
5: They did, but they've had to extend because they didn't make a decision that evening. So, really? mm-hmm. the the applicant provided hundreds of, of pages of documentation to the board during the, uh, at the hearing. So that needs to be reviewed, and there are only a few outstanding issues that were to be discussed. Hmm. Um, our watershed improvement plan um, continues to achieve milestones uh, with. Um, native planting, uh, native fruit-producing trees, fruit and nut-producing trees at Bloomfield, um, the uh, faith-based conservation group initiative, and the implementation of wetland planting in six, three acres of wetlands and six acres of trees at Ch- uh, Chesapeake College. And I understand that project is doing really well. And finally, our comprehensive plan is uh, truly back on track and rolling. We have a new website. The website is great. If you haven't visited it yet, please do.
4: Amy, I I apologize. um, Going back to the whip. Yes. um, I I know that the targeted dates to reach our reductions was by the year 2025. Mm -hmm. First of all, is that still the number?
5: The the gap closure? That hasn't changed.
4: Okay. But Mm -hmm. there is no goal. But there is no goal. Never so you have that. to have your reductions by 2025, but they're not telling you what that goal is, though, yet.
3: They were supposed to give it to us 2019, I think, the beginning, and we're still waiting for it from MBE. Well, I think it's back under review, isn't it? I think it's there. But it's but, it but again, they said in 2018, going into 2019, but well, I still remember listening to Secretary Grumbles give a speech at MACO, by March of 2019, you will have your numbers. We've got them worked out at the state level so everybody will know where their targets are, and here we are. And, and okay. in 2020 and we've yet to see those numbers but we keep plunging forward getting, uh, I was on getting a, the credits
2: a little press thing today with secretary grumbles uh, and the whip was brought up but I will say that our Southern Kent Island project that we talked about tonight puts us 70 oh, percent of our 60 to 70 percent of our number for septic system nitrogen reduction but also puts us ahead of every other county in the state on nitrogen with septic tanks
3: and so. if they have to if they have to scale it back we're going to far exceed it you know what right. i mean if they, if they realize other counties aren't even going to come close right. to making it they're going to scale it back they're going to grade on the curve they're going to move that target yeah they're, going to, yeah they're going to grade on the curve so we'll just rise up and be the But it's very disturbing when we've spent all this money and and, and you know we're running into a blind wall have no idea where we're going to
2: well now so, that we're ms4 we're going to spend more money And then,
3: right that's what i'm saying right. and then, yeah <laughs> then you got that coming money. around the corner so Thank
5: you. are right. And the phase three was supposed to be announced, our phase three goals, and, and, they, and they haven't been. But
3: They're
2: arbitrary.
5: But we're still
2: on no,
3: no, great,
5: yeah, great, great strides.
2: They're so. going to announce those goals when they announce the phase one of the NEPA. So.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Start holding your breath. <laughs> Don't hold your breath. <laughs>
5: So, but do, back to the comp plan, do visit the website, and I encourage you to enter your email addresses so that you are on the email list for notices, so that you are getting the same updates that our citizens are getting who sign up for notifications, just so you know what they know and what's going on, and your, your inbox can be filled with updates um, in addition to the updates that we bring you. Um, but last year we had a couple of kickoff meetings. Uh, We finalized the public survey that had begun and we have uh, launched this website and we are anticipating our visioning session meetings which will be virtual but they are tentatively scheduled for the end of January and the beginning of February. We're solidifying those dates and um, our ongoing schedule and new meeting announcements will be posted on that website. Uh, We're also holding special topic workshops relative to um, interaction with community groups um, to get updates on environmental um, strategies, historic preservation strategies, housing strategies, in addition to working with our own technical advisory team uh, that is... um, our county agencies and state partners who are local who have offerings to various sections that we need and the planning commission will be holding regular workshops beginning in january where they're going to start looking at draft sections and in this january's uh, meeting they will be looking at the introductory section um and and the i think it was the vision statement let me see here They're going to look at the introduction, introduction, the county profile, and we're going to look at the way we're planning to reorganize and streamline the comp plan. So we're looking at an early draft at what that will look like for planning commission input. Um, so I'm very happy that that project is, is moving forward. Um, our team, and this is where <coughs> I really wanted to, to spend our time, because I know that uh, everyone is anxious to know what we're working on. In addition to the day-to-day operations, we are working to successfully transition through the support and expertise of Megan uh, Delgadio and Katie Anderson in our GIS IT department. They are getting us ready for the permitting and planning citizen um, portal for online application and monitoring of building permit applications. So it's very complicated. Um, And John Shelton and Vivian Swenson and I have been meeting with um, Megan and Katie to organize that interface in terms of what should be there. And then there will be staff level training at how to process applications online, assist the public, so there'll be a long learning curve, but we have a great team that's being trained to do it and training us to do it. So that's really going well. We anticipate a soft release very soon of the portal where people will be able to go online, not to register, which will be required. Um, you'll, to check on a building permit, to apply for a building permit, you'll have to have an online registration like you do for any website or any portal Uh, But there will also be a means of just uh, being a visitor or a guest on the site to look up building permits that are in process or have been issued. So we hope to be able to get that basic data out to the public soon. But in late spring, early summer, we plan to be rolling and fully trained and operational in terms of taking applications online, paying invoices online, and citizens being able to monitor the progress of their building permit applications. The next anticipated threshold is to uh, bring the liquor licenses online. So license renewals, license application, uh, payment of those fees and invoices, and tracking licenses. That's the next phase. And we decided in the planning department we would go last because we knew that there was a need to get um, those Applications online more quickly and our forms will often require citizens to come into the office anyway because most applicants who are applying for planning forms have large paper formats and multiple types of um, forms that have to be submitted but we'll get there too but that is going to take a little more work So that will be the last stage where our consultants and applicants can apply online, pay their invoices, and then monitor the status of their progress throughout the whole process. So um, those are our high goals for the upcoming year, in addition to project review is transitioning into um, an electronic system.
3: Well, I have to say you have made my five years as commissioner by that news. (laughs) was <laughs> one thing that when I walked in the door here that I wanted to see change in this county, and I'm glad to see we're finally going to get there. Good. But I would say, if you could, um, this, <laughs> again, this is selfish, but when you do the liquor board licenses, if you could make all the professional licenses, whether it's electrical, plumbing, in all those, mm-hmm. and bring all them into the portal, too, mm-hmm. um, just like with COVID, sending out a lot of these things because you can't get CEUs and that kind of thing. It's, so if it was electronic, it would be a lot easier, I think.
5: I'm not sure, but I think that megan and katie are working on the okay. plumbing and it would just make licenses. sense with
3: the liquor if you're doing yeah. liquor license that all those would fall in underneath of as professional licensing whatever it might be but yes I, i'm happy to hear that and i'm sure any contractors watching tonight are just doing backflips so <laughs>
5: getting there That's- but it really is complicated. It is.
3: And, and I mean, but it's, you know, it's, at, this t- at this stage, it's one of the things like COVID, I think, really brought it to light of things that we've got to change the way we do business to do business. Um, mm-hmm. Because right. you can't walk into the permit office and slap your, you know, permit application down and stand in line 15, 20 minutes. You're outside. It's freezing. You know, so use the technology we got to our advantage.
8: Mm-hmm.
2: It's the Finally. future. It is. Right as uh, rain.
12: Anybody got any questions? No. Job well done. Good. 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 Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you. All right. Thanks,
8: Thanks Amy. All right.
0: well all right, commissioners, we can switch back, I guess, to tab three and do our action items for this evening.
3: Yeah. And, Jim, you used to go by all the tabs in order. I don't know if this Chris guy is. He's all over the place. I'm, I'm, I'm all messed up already, right? <laughs> <laughs> Todd's just doing we're that tab one. Parties. We're tab seven. We're back to tab. I ah, know we're. doing that right
0: to here.
1: haze me. I think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Margie gets mad when I go off script like that, but uh, but yeah, <laughs> messes up the minutes. Anyway, okay. Tab three, item one on page one is pillar of the month for December: caring. We have a proclamation
4: there. If one of you, my commissioners, would read that for you. <laughs> quick <laughs> to get my uh, proclamation hat on. Um. So, Proclamation Pillar of the Month for December is Caring 2065, whereas Queen Anne's County was declared a Characters Counts Community, and whereas all citizens have been called upon to embrace the six pillars of character and incorporate them into their daily activities and to model these traits of good character. And whereas the Character Counts Pillar of the Month is December is Caring, and whereas all citizens will incorporate Caring into their home, workplace, and school, and whereas all citizens will care for other people's feelings, and whereas all citizens will be thankful and loving, and whereas all citizens will help others, and whereas all citizens will be kind to their neighbors and family, and whereas all citizens will do nice things for others, such as make cards, help them do something, just be friendly. Now, therefore, we county commissioners of Queen Anne's County and Mrs. Coppett's second grade class Do hereby designate the character counts pillar of the month for December is caring. Just looking at the things that were asked in the whereas is in this proclamation, you can tell there were some young kids that said this is how we need to start acting. Even our adults need to start acting like this. (laughs) So a big shout out to Ms. Coppage's second grade class.
3: You probably have a better shot with the second graders than you would do with the adults, honestly. Sadly. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you, Commissioner. Very good. Item two,
0: on page two, is a um, an application for property tax credit for a disabled
8: emergency worker John C. Daniel. Are You going to mention on that? I move to approve a property tax credit for disabled or fallen emergency work or fallen emergency workers that is a prorated amount of the county tax for tax years 20. 20. Dash twenty twenty one in the amount of two thousand
1: two hundred forty seven point two eight. Second. All right. We've got a motion to se- in a second. Any discussion? All right. All those in favor? Aye. 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 All those opposed? 5-0. All right. Thank you,
0: commissioners. <clears throat> Item three on page three is the um, Mid Atlantic Off Road Enthusiast uh, Agreement. This has uh, been anticipated for some time now. It's a proposed agreement between the Department of Parks and Recreation and more. For the initial construction, special event operation, and maintenance of a single track mountain bike trail in Terrapin Park.
2: So, can I get a motion? I on move that, to please? authorize the Department of Parks and Recreation to sign the Moore Agreement for the initial construction, special event operations, and maintenance of a single track bike trail. Furthermore, Moore shall secure the recommended insurance coverage for all volunteers, MORE participants, and the county shall provide coverage for all other users.
4: Second.
1: Second. All right, we have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Um, I just want to add one thing on this is I mean, this is a great example where you have citizens that came with an idea of how they could work volunteering, put together something a, a recreation for, for the county, and they put a lot of time in it, and parks and recs. You worked closely with them. This is a great example of how the county can partner with our citizens. So, um, we'd love to see that kind of
12: stuff. Looking forward to it.
0: Yeah. And we got a number of emails today from uh, uh, supporters of this today. I'm sure you've, you've seen those as well. So,
3: And I think with the falling out of the Pastrana project, this couldn't be more timely, to be honest with you, with losing yeah. that pump track and all that was going to be for the kids. Mm-hmm. I think this is I right on time.
4: I originally the biggest hang-up you know, when, when this was a couple of weeks ago when we talked about this were obviously the liability issues and who was going to be indemnified. And, and so um, I'm just pleased that we were able to work
1: out those between their organization in the county. So thank you, Steve. You're welcome. Right. And thanks to Steve Pringle, who uh, sort of spearheaded this from the public uh, perspective on that. All right. Uh, we have a uh, motion here pending for uh, Department of Parks and Recs to sign the Moore Agreement. I'm not going to read this whole thing because we know it. Uh, all those in favor? Uh, Aye. 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 All opposed? All right,
0: 5 All right, thank you, commissioners. Thank you. thank you, Steve. Thank you. Item 4 on page 10. Is a uh, updated mutual aid agreement between Queen Anne's County Fire EMS Commission and the Anne Arundel County Fire Department. Can I get a motion on that,
2: please? I move to approve the mutual aid agreement among Queen Anne's County, among Queen Anne's County, Queen Anne's County Fire and EMS Commission and the Anne Arundel County Fire Department.
8: Second.
1: (laughs) All right. Motion to second. Any discussion? All those in favor? All right. All right. All right. Opposed? You've been here for two hours for that? Yeah, we
2: got to change that. <laughs> yeah. So we have two directors here for two hours for 30 seconds of a wave. That's that Chris guy, I'm telling you.
4: But you this, know what I, what I think? It, doing with all, man? it comes with... It comes very all happy. Happy. I'm very happy to see you guys, though. It, come, it comes <laughs> with the job title. It comes Christmas. with the job title. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, New Year to you. <laughs> all right. See you,
0: Scott. <laughs> All right, moving right uh-huh. along. Uh, <laughs> item five on page sixteen. Um, we have a commission on the Aging Board membership. A reappointment. We had uh, inadvertently missed uh, the reappointment of uh, a couple of members. Can I get a motion to appoint uh, Tony Breeding, Richard Cooper, and Bonnie Walters, please?
2: I move to approve the renewal of Tony Breeding, Richard Cooper, uh, Cooper, excuse me, and Bonnie Walter for a four-year term to begin January 1, 2021 through December thirty-first, 2024, on the Commission on Aging. Second.
1: Okay, we've got a motion to second. Any discussion? All those in favor? Aye. Um, aye. aye. Opposed? 5 vote. Thank you, Commissioners.
0: Item number six on page 18 is a letter of support for a Chesapeake and Coastal Grant application for design and permitting to hopefully ultimately restore the Northwest Creek, which is just south of Tower Gardens on South Kent Island and this is a, a is private. Is that
4: is that landlocked? Is that why there's
2: It is.
0: See okay,
4: what are they gonna do? Cut a Yeah,
2: they wanna dredge it.
4: They wanna just just it. it up
2: yeah, it real bad.
4: Mm-hmm. But so but there's no there's no bay water feeding into it? So it's basically just a stagnant pond?
2: Well, it depends on how hard the wind's blowing and how high the tide is. That, that's okay. part of the issue. They want to dredge that out, dredge it out,
0: and
3: have
2: that. It you to have that
4: constant t- tidal flow from right. here on out. Right. Okay.
1: But it did have it at one time. It, it did it at one time. time yeah. It just showed that bad, I think. Yeah. said. Yep. All right. I'll do this one. I move to sign the uh, support letter for Chesapeake and Coastal Grant Alliance to restore Northwest Creek application. Second. Got a motion a second. Any discussion? All those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed?
0: All right. Thank you, Commissioner. Item number 7 on page 19. This is a recommendation to go uh, send these submissions to the state uh, for uh, State Board of Broadband Expansion. This is a uh, recommended response to their grant program for up to nine projects located in uh, (coughs) northern Queen Anne's County, Southernersville, Churchill, Centerville, and Queenstown. And uh, we'd like to present those to the state for their review. It would allow us to collect potentially up to $1.2 million in grant funds and with the county-required match of uh, up to $137,600. Can I get a motion on that, please?
3: I move that the staff move forward on the response to the state's RFI for broadband expansion for the nine recommended projects with a proposed county contribution of $137,600 from the Public Fiber Infrastructure Capital Project.
1: Second. Got a motion and a second in the discussion?
3: I just want to add that this is going to pick up 339 homes with fiber. That's... Uh, that's a pretty good chunk of homes right there. So for about $400 of county investment per home, that's a great deal.
0: Yeah, we're very helpful. We'll get support from the state and get approval for all these projects. But it, it is subject to their review and approval, but uh, we feel pretty confident that we're going to But we
3: didn't get much last time, so, yeah. would, you know, hopefully it will be like the library and we'll get some extra this
0: okay. time. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
1: all right. Let's vote. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? 5-0.
0: right. Thank you, commissioners. All right. Item 8 on page... 21 is a recommendation uh, for some salary actions for the staff for fiscal FY 2021. Uh, Our budgetary numbers look a little better than we had anticipated. And uh, obviously, we're we're hopefully coming to the uh, conclusion of the uh, the pandemic in the near future with the vaccines on the horizon. So we are recommending at this time a a bonus to those employees that have been uh, working through these, these tough times during the pandemic and also a, a cost of living
2: increase uh, for them as well. So could I get a motion on that? I move to approve a one-time bonus of $1,200 and a mid-year cost of living increase of 1% or $500, whichever is greater.
1: Okay. Okay, i got a motion and a second. Any discussion?
4: Right. I, I would just like to take a quick opportunity mm-hmm. and and read uh, the information that's available here in front of us that helped us make this decision just for the folks that are, that are watching. The fiscal year 2021 general fund budget was adopted at $1.2 million below the fiscal year 2020 level, and it included a $2 in revenue stabilization fund. The budget did not provide funding for employee salary increases, such as cost of living or pay for performance. We just didn't feel like that was a decision that we could make back then with the uncertainties. Uh, It continues to say at this time, our fiscal 2021 actuals show better than expected growth, almost 3% in income tax revenue. The forecasted decline below the fiscal year 2020 levels has not materialized at this time. Fiscal year 2020 revenues were also above earlier forecasts. So this is basically um, something that we talked about earlier, but we're afraid to make a move on. But with the numbers that have come in through uh, this increase, we feel much more comfortable doing this for our employees, which, by the way, have been working full-time. A lot of other counties are still working from home. Our employees have been back uh, for the most part. And and I think we have the uh, financial wherewithal to do this, and I think we should uh,
8: move forward on this. I support Commissioner all, and I think all of us do, and the public should be aware that some considerable portion of this is being paid for by the CARES federal budget, which helps us with this in this regard. And our workers have been out there, like <coughs> paramedics, getting exposed to this, and they've done a really good, great job, and these guys deserve it, and on we go. All right. Anything else?
1: All right. So we have a motion to approve a one-time bonus of twelve hundred dollars, and a mid-year cost of living cost of living increase of one percent or five hundred dollars, whichever is greater. Um, all those in favor? Uh, Aye. Opposed. Five. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thank you, commissioners. I'm sure the staff will
0: be very appreciative of that. Okay. Next, we have item number nine on page 22. Um, animal Services. Uh, back in March, we brought Animal Services back uh, under the county as a department. They have been doing uh, very well. Um, we had to um, make some adjustments to their uh, to their um, to the salary scale to make them accommodated in as uh, as contract employees. They are full-time employees now with Queen Anne's County, so we like to uh, make them you know congruent with the salaries schedule that we have currently. There is uh, some monetary adjustments we have to make to their pay scale, to their pay, and we'd like to do that effective uh, mid-year as well.
9: So I,
2: I move, move that, that the mean? Human Resources Director be authorized to adjust the salaries of Animal Services
1: staff to be equivalent to the Queen Anne's County pay structure. Second. Motion and a second. Any discussion? All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? 5-0. All
0: right. Thank you, Commissioners. I will say that uh, if there is any... Um, Silver lining in the pandemic. I mean, Animal Services. The adoption rates are just phenomenal right now. Folks are, you know, adopting the pets down there. They've been doing a great job, and we're happy to have them back as a, as a local county agency. They're doing doing a great job down there, with the animals. Okay, Item Ten, Page Twenty Three is Budget Amendment CC Forty. This is a General Fund Budget Adjustments. Is this this is a budget amendment to increase budget authority for General Fund activities and General Capital Projects in next year's. Capital budget. Motion
1: to approve budget amendment CC40.
8: Second.
1: Got a motion and a second. Any discussion? One question, uh, Jonathan. This this basically
2: is how you take revenue from last year and set it aside for capital projects and paygo, and I mean that's what this is. Is this is surplus being dedicated to? Okay. Good. Surplus so will we'll capital budget for next
7: year.
2: Correct. Great. Thank you.
1: All those in favor? Aye. Opposed? Five zero. All
2: right. Thank you,
0: commissioners. Item eleven on page twenty-four is budget amendment CC twenty-three. Uh, this is a budget amendment to increase budget authority and transfer three hundred thousand dollars to the AG transfer tax
2: fund. Motion to approve budget amendment CC twenty-three. Second. Motion and second. Any discussion? And again, this one here is we're returning money to the AG. That we borrowed thinking we would need it for our budget and wasn't needed and now it's being put back where it's, it's supposed to be
7: it's being paid
12: um uh, well as a general fund giving money to the egg transfer we have traditionally not really budgeted for this contribution right and so we've sort of kind of done it a little bit after the fact so this time we said well we'll put three hundred thousand in the budget but in fact we, we usually have been giving them about 600000 a year. So we have to come up with this additional 300000 which is really just taking also from that surplus
2: from the general fund. Gotcha. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. We have a motion to approve budget amendment CC23. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Item. Okay. Thank you, commissioners. Item 12 on page 25
0: is the 2020 Wreaths Across America campaign request. And this is the sponsorship request from Wreaths Across America to honor Eastern Shore veterans at the Hurlock Cemetery on December 19th. Um, I believe last year we sponsored um, 40. I move to purchase 40
4: of the wreaths at $15 each for the Wreaths Across America to honor the Eastern Shore veterans in the Hurlock Cemetery on December 19th, 2020 at 10 a.m.
1: Second. Motion to second and discussion. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? By All right. Thank you, commissioners. So now we have three desk
0: items. Uh, the first one is number 13. This is a social services advisory board reappointments. We had two members, uh, Jacqueline Vini and Allison Davis, would like to continue serving. They have continued to serve, and they just have, have not been reappointed yet uh, for their next term. So could I get a motion on that, please?
3: I move to approve the renewal of Jacqueline Vini and Allison Davis for a three-year term to begin retroactively July first, 2020, and expire June 30, 2023, on the Board of Social Services.
1: Second. All right, we've got a motion a second. Any discussion? All those in favor?
3: Aye.
0: Aye. Aye.
1: Opposed?
0: 5-0. Commissioners, uh, Desk Item 14 is a request to convert uh, three uh, contractual part-time vacant Uh, funded positions uh, in-service home workers to one full-time in-home service workers at the Department of Community Services. Can I get
2: a motion on that, please? I move to approve the conversion of three vacant-funded part-time contractual in-home service workers to one full-time
1: benefited in-home service worker at the Department of Community Affairs. Second. Motion and a second. Any discussion? All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed?
0: I It's actually the Department of Community Services. Sorry about that. Yeah, I, I re- it's written wrong there, but that's, that's fine. Thank you, Commissioners. Uh, our final desk item, uh, an item for tonight, action item, is, the, um, is a, a request to support with a matching grant. The Upper Shore Regional Council has a new micro-grant for agricultural projects. They're putting forth $45,000 to across three counties, uh, Cecil, Kent, and Queen Anne's, and the other counties have been asked to match uh, that allotment with a $14,000 local grant as well.
3: So, I move to support the Upper Shore Regional Council of Agriculture micro-grant program with a $14,000 county match.
1: Second. All right. got a motion and a second. Any discussion?
3: So the other nice thing about this... Um, besides us matching it and it going back towards the micro grants, is mark Bidco's is also going to have some more money in it so this is actually a pretty good uh going to be a pretty good chunk of money when it's all said and done between the three counties so but it's going to be for agric- agricultural purposes um, they
8: do with it just
3: uh whether it's uh learning back to the farmers things like that it's it's left up to the local uh, farm bureaus and uh, ag extensions that kind of thing to get it uh, out to where it's needed so and economic development of the
0: various um, agriculture activities, farmers' markets, right. signage, things of that nature. So Marketing. Small grants.
1: PR markets,
3: stuff. Whatever they're... Yeah, exactly. Cool.
1: All right. We got a uh, motion to support the Upper Shore Regional Council Agriculture Micro-Grant Program with a $14,000 county. Match. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Zero.
0: Good, commissioners. That is all of our action items for this evening. Um, we do have one legislative item. Uh, we have returned to tab number seven, and that is County Ordinance 20 13, Cottage Home Planned Residential Development. That came from our Planning Commission.
2: I'll introduce it.
0: Okay. All right. Commissioner Moran, introduce that. We'll schedule a public hearing on that. And. I believe that's all we have this evening. So we've got our <coughs> second press and public comment period. Do we have any press and public comment? Very good. Period two. Okay.
2: Time. All right. All right. Back to the commissioners for roundtable. Commissioner Moran. Absolutely, brother. All right. Well, I'd just like to say uh, Merry Christmas to everybody because we're not going to have a second nope. meeting. Uh, I, I you know, just hope everybody stays safe, enjoys the, the holidays, and we'll see you in the new year. And also, Todd... We need to put this as a capital project because I see all our tape seams are coming apart everywhere in here. So I don't know what's going on. Margie must have the air conditioning up too high in here. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I have.
4: All right. Uh, Yeah, this is going to be a little bit different because you've got the at large one first. Now, what do you do?
1: I know. I I will start with uh,
4: (laughs) Commissioner Steve Wilson. Commissioner
8: Wilson. Commissioner Wilson. I urge the public, if we are not going to meet again before Christmas, to listen to what the doctor, our good Dr. Seatola, had to say because one more Christmas we'll have the vaccine behind us. So just hang in here one more time and please don't get sick. All
1: right, Commissioner Jack Wilson.
3: All right, um, Chris. Great job on your first night behind the helm up there. <laughs> a couple uh, slip-ups, but that comes with time. You'll get those work done. <laughs> um, so a couple serious things. Um, had an FEC meeting this past week. Uh, a couple items that came up that I just want to throw out there and want to need some action on. Um, the other one we already took action on, and and, and the fire department sent back their gratitude um, when we approved the uh, to make up the funding with their CARES money for their lost revenue, um, business business, re- business uh, revenue associated with their fundraising that they were unable to do this past year. So it, uh, we were able to fund them fully. Um, so that's a big burden off for the fire companies. And again, they send their appreciation and thank yous to all the commissioners. Um, but that didn't come without asking for something else. Um, so as you know, we did the, a couple years, well, actually the beginning of this year, mid-year, we did, you know, talked about, we got the DVRSs, which are the communication devices that go in the chase vehicles or the chief vehicles so that they can close the um, radio gaps that happen in buildings where there's dead spots. So we've purchased three. Um, unfortunately, and Todd has the information, I gave it to him earlier tonight, that it got, they've gone up a $1,000 a piece. So originally we were gonna do f- four now and three in the next budget cycle but if they're going to continue to rise like that it may behoove us to get them all done sooner than later um, i got to
2: believe they probably rose because of covid and, and, and i don't disagree people with that. covid funds to buy it so supply and, and demand and,
3: right. yeah and i don't disagree that that may be the truth but at least you know we had done the schedule that we gave them the three we were going to do four january and then the other three in the budget cycle whichever way that works uh you know, I'd like to Todd to get to uh, General sense let Todd to get to work and get the, at least the four in the works, and then we could talk about the three in January about whether we want to go ahead and uh, get them all in the vehicles. Um, the feedback on them from Graysonville and Queenstown, who are using them, is that the areas that they were testing and have been used in live action, they've worked fantastically. And you know, we think about it, just boils down to them communicating but it's also for the firefighter safety when they're in a building if they can't communicate back out to the people on the street that uh, puts our firefighters our EMTs and you know our first responders in a, in a pinch so it's something we definitely need to move forward with but um, and again I think we can split it up there you know whatever way we could do it that makes the most economical sense I think is what we should do um, other than that, so I, I, as you can see by my jacket, I'm in a festive mood this year, so I invite everybody to come by the house. Me and the wife went a little nuts with some people, put a few lights up around the house, so I invite everybody to come by. Taylor Road in Centerville, we've already had quite a few visitors. Has uh, QAC TV been out there yet? We yeah, were just talking about it. He actually <laughs> wants to make a drive-by, and I All told right, him if he comes by, i will give him some hot cocoa or something. Um, there you go. Just look for Or some, the something warm, maybe an adult beverage. <laughs> who knows? Yeah, you, you'll find it. It's not <laughs> hard to find. Uh, But other than that, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to everybody, and have a good New Year. And I guess I'll see you guys on twenty twenty one. There you go. Commissioner Dooley. Oh, save the best
4: for last. Ah, Well, I'll be the last. (laughs) That's what I I mean. Um, So, um, on on a a serious note, first, um, you just heard us approve um, taking some uh, employees that were contractual that worked for our animal services. Going back to our first budget cycle back in 2012 in my first term, we, um, we took some governmental departments and moved them to the private sector and, and hoping that they could be sustainable um, and function not as a county government, as a function of county government. Um, there was a couple things that we've had to, to take back. One of those things was the animal control board or the uh, animal services that we have here in the county. Um, and they do a great job. It's a function of county government again, and I think it's gonna be run, and so far has been run well. So, I personally am pleased with that, and I think uh, I wanna thank my fellow commissioners and seeing it the same way as I did that they're county employees now that work for us and they deserve to be paid accordingly. Um, on a more fun note, um, the crab basketry, I think everybody got a chance to to um, take a look at that. If you haven't, I strongly recommend you go see it, not only at night, but uh, walk up to it during the day and take a look at some of these baskets in the daylight. They are absolutely phenomenal. Um, I got an opportunity to be a laborer on the day that the tree was built um, and learned a lot about um, the history behind the watermen and and waterwomen here in our county um, and the challenges that they face. So um, we ask that you shop local in these holidays, but also uh, keep a place um, of concern for the livelihood for our watermen because of some of the difficult challenges that they face as far as regulations and things like that. So um, let's keep them in our thoughts.
1: That's all I have. And I, I, I did notice that since you set up the tree, you were able to position your basket... Ah. So that when QAC-TV set up for broadcasting, you were dead setter with your basket, your name on it. Purely, coincidental. I, I don't know how that just seemed to happen. That, that was absolutely purely coincidental. There was there was no Pretty effort on my part. good product placement, that. I thought. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't mention this in the last minute, but I, I meant to. Uh, for the residents who live in Cloverfields, uh, we are aware of you know a lot of the the increased. Um, uh, water drainage issues that you're having. We have a lot of this is because of um, tidal waters um, and with the heavy rains, wa- wa- heavy rains coming down to more intense and with water level rising, it's we know it's taking harder time for it to drain out. You know, Kent Island is clay soil and it's an island and there's nowhere for the water to go, so we recognize that problem. We've set up, um, DPW is looking at this, so we've set up Cloverfield drainage um, Dot com as a website with some information that we're posting as we're investigating it. There's an email address if you have questions um, about that issue, living in Cloverfields, email that. We were going to have um, sort of a town hall to discuss some of these things, but then the governor put some new restrictions in place, so that really wasn't feasible. Uh, we are looking to have something, uh, some more information share, whether it be a video that we do with QAC TV or some sort of online town hall to get more information out there, but will help us in getting ready for that is those of you that have questions about what can be done, what are causes. There's some myths that are floating out there that we, you know, can address and give you the science behind it. Um, There are some different programs out there with FEMA that we are going to be looking into, but we want to make sure we get that information out to you. So please go to that website. We'll be updating it regularly as we get questions and more information, but um, your calls have been heard, we are listening to it and this is something that we are um, trying to work on. We won't be able to stop it. Um, that's just I mean, unfortunate aspect of it is what we're looking at as ways that we can mitigate it um, to make less of an impact but you live on Kent Island and you know the water level is rising there in some areas so there's only so much you can do. We're trying to see what we can do to, to mitigate that. Um, but I just want to be honest with you about what's possible and what's not possible. Um, Christmas season, any holidays, everybody enjoy your holidays. Um, and everybody out there, you know, perfect time to be kind to your neighbors. So happy holidays, everybody. And I'll entertain a motion to close the meeting. Phil's making a motion. I'll make it a second. All
4: right. Uh, I make a motion that we adjourn. Second. All right. All in favor?